Happy Wednesday. It's the podcast edition of Spain and Fitz. I'm Jason Fitz. Yeah, we weren't on air tonight, but that doesn't mean we're not going to come at you. Remember, every single night we get you a podcast and we get you some exclusive stuff that you only get right here. So we figured, why not do that? Well, by we, we mean I. Sirius had a very busy day, so I've decided that I'm just going to take some time and fly solo. This is like your favorite band letting one person in the band put out a solo record. Like, I'm still going to go back to the band. The band's still going to make great music. I'm just going solo tonight. And I got a couple of things on my mind, and it starts with some misinformation. And misinformation is a very intentional term that I'm using. Because when you start having conversations about what could and should happen, you have to be aware of what can happen. And there's a big difference. Because when you think about the college football landscape, a lot of conversation today that I've heard across the the radio airwaves and TV airwaves about Lincoln Riley. In fact, we talked about it a little bit uh, on last night's edition of Spain and Fitz. Lincoln Riley is the Oklahoma head coach, and he made it clear that the team, for competitive advantage reasons, is no longer going to be uh, putting out any data around COVID-19. I've talked to a couple of college football experts I trust, and I should be clear here. That that means any data. They're not going to tell you their testing rates. They're not going to tell you anything about it. So teams and uh, and really the media as a whole will have no idea what is happening with Oklahoma when it comes to COVID-19 until they must be made aware. In the case of the team, it's the opponent, and that can be day of where the opponent is suddenly finding out that Oklahoma has people out, but they don't necessarily uh, commit to telling them anything about COVID-19. Now, what I've heard so many people say today is the NCAA needs to step in and force Lincoln Riley to change this policy. Here's the important reminder. The NCAA can't. Should they? Yes. Could they? No. Big difference. Again, I'll go back to the expertise that I lean on so often. And in the process of talking to our great Heather Dinich, ESPN College Football Reporter, one thing that she pointed out is that the NCAA is there to give schools guidelines, to give schools support, to give schools information, to give schools even suggestions. But as a rule, the NCAA cannot come in and force Oklahoma to release any information. That's stunning to hear, but it's correct. And so now you have to ask what happens next. Well, number one, we have to again realize for what feels like the 27,000th time this year that the NCAA is powerless, that the NCAA is borderline useless, and that the NCAA is standing there as a figurehead that has really the ability to do very little that affects any change. Now, accept that and move forward. What do we have to do to change this policy for Oklahoma? Well, the answer to that is it can't be done. I mean, sure, if you really want the change to happen, it's not going to come from Lincoln Riley. I don't even think it's going to come from Oklahoma's athletic director. You're going to have to go to the university itself. You're going to have to go to the university and perhaps the conference and say, look, these numbers need to be transparent, and here's why. It's interesting because when you talk about the Big Ten and what the Big Ten is going to analyze and trying to figure out if they can play again, the most important part of the conversation that has been pointed out to me is that whoever eventually decides that they've got the information on why the Big Ten should play right now is going to have to present that information, either information on why testing has changed, information on why myocarditis isn't as severe as people think. They're going to have to present accepted information to all of the the university presidents and chancellors that voted against playing and then have a revote. It's that complicated. So now you apply that same conversation to Oklahoma. It's going to take experts going to the school, and then to the presidents and chancellors across the conference to demand some sort of change. Should that be done? In my mind, yes. And it's clear why. I mean, the entire college football landscape is hanging by a thread. 
I work a lot in college football. It's one of the areas that I'm most passionate about. It's my favorite sport to cover. It's my favorite sport to be around. And the more that I talk to the people that do cover it and are around it that are even at a higher level than I am with it, the more that I'm reminded that the entire thing feels like it's hanging by a thread. What can make that thread come apart? What can pull this thing and make the whole season fall apart like a house of cards? The answer to that is simple. COVID-19 outbreaks that can't be controlled. What could cause a COVID-19 outbreak that can't be controlled? I don't know. How about playing against a team where they're not telling you exactly what their COVID-19 situation is? I mean, that's the asinine part of all of this. It bothers me. It's not that Oklahoma is worried about competitive advantage. Coaches are paranoid. We, we understand that. Oklahoma is putting what they perceive as a competitive advantage over the entire health and safety of college football and the season as a whole. That is the important part of this. I wish college football could come in. I wish that college football could come in. The NCAA could come in and say, this is what we're going to do. But remember, if they had the power to do that, they would have done that when conferences were deciding whether or not they were going to play. Wasn't that our big indication? If this isn't the wake-up call for the lack of power in the NCAA, what will it be for you? When you start talking about the fact that the Power Five can't even come together, the Pac-12 has outright gone to the Big Ten now and said, hey, We'd love to work together so that we return to play at the same time. And the answer to that was, if possible. Because the NCAA won't step in and make it happen. You've got the SEC delaying their games while the Big 12 is trying to get underway right away. And the ACC is going to be playing this weekend. And the NCAA never steps into all of these conferences uh, conferences and says, guys, how about uniformity? How about we all come to one big decision? The NCAA hasn't done that because the NCAA can't do that. And as much as it's maddening, as much as it's frustrating, as much as it pisses me off because of what it does to the future of college football, at some point, I'm the idiot. Because every time there's a problem, I'm running to the NCAA and I'm saying, fix this. And then I'm shocked when they can't fix it. If every time you go to the DMV, you are just stunned, you're shook, you cannot believe it. If every time you go to the DMV, you think, How in the hell is there a two-hour wait right now to get a driver's license? At some point, you're the idiot that's surprised every time there's a two-hour wait. If you get in rush hour traffic every single Monday and you say, my God, why is it that it's always so busy right now? Well, how many Mondays in a row before you figure out either a different path or you start leaving earlier or you start leaving later or you change your work hours? At some point, you look at it and say, I'm not going to keep hitting my head against the wall. Why are we incapable as sports fans of doing the same thing with the NCAA? Stop hitting your head against the wall. They're powerless. They know it. The problem is we don't know it. And until we learn that the NCAA is not capable of actually affecting real change in any sport across any landscape in college, until we learn that, it's us that's going to look like the fool every single time. You'll fool me once. Fine. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. As many times as we've been fooled by the NCAA, I'm tired of it. And what it needs, what we need right now is a general sports population. As fans of sports, what we need right now is a higher level of understanding. A higher level of understanding to what can be done so that we know what to demand. Because if you make demands that can never be met, then eventually people don't stop listening to the person you're making the demands to. They stop listening to the person making the demands. 
We're going to get you more Spain and Fitz. I got a curiosity about this upcoming NFL season, and obviously it's 24 hours away. I'll tell you what it is after, I think, a quick word. All right, so hopefully you just heard an incredible ad for something or you're just hearing me lead into me. Either way, it's fun. It's Spain and Fitz. It's the podcast. You know that. You're tuned in. I don't have to remind you. But I do have to remind you that the NFL season gets underway tomorrow night. Chiefs, Texans, in Kansas City, defending Super Bowl champions. I mean, think about it. I'm giving you opening night. I'm giving you Deshaun Watson versus Patrick Mahomes. Opening night. I'm giving you the by far, hands down, favorite in the AFC West against a team that on paper, if it weren't for Bill O'Brien, would have everybody believing that they could and should be the powerful team in the South. These are two playoff caliber teams. They're two of the best, if not the best, young quarterbacks in the entire game, and it's going to be an electric matchup. So why aren't we excited? I've been thinking a lot about it lately. Been trying to figure out why we're not as pumped in general for the NFL season that starts tomorrow and runs through the weekend. Usually by now, I've spent virtually every day at work head-to-toe in Raiders gear. Usually by now, I've chewed everybody's ear off. Like, there's this moment walking through the halls in ESPN where I realize that some of the people that I know just close the door because they realize it's game week, and that means I'm going to bust in and start talking to them. Like, Junior, Golik Jr.'s tired of my Raiders takes. I know it. I get it. But this year, it's not happening. Why? Why are we not as bought into the excitement? Now, Sarah and I have explored this a little bit on the show, Spain and Fitz. We've explored it and come to the conclusion that at least one answer is that everybody seems to have this fear that we're not going to get continued NFL action, that the season's going to get shut down early because of COVID-19. And that's fair. I understand not wanting to buy into a season that you don't believe is going to make it through its entirety. I also understand the very fair conversation that it's an election year. And reminder, smart take here. You can tell all your friends this at the bar. Every single year, go look it up. Every single presidential election year results in the downtick of ratings for the NFL. So, as a result, we understand that people are uh, focused on different things. I also understand that in a COVID-19 world where people are worried about how they're going to feed their family, maybe there are bigger issues than the NFL. Get it. But the NFL is supposed to be escapism. At some point, it's supposed to be the sport that we all turn to because whether you're playing fantasy football or whether you're watching because you got money on the game or whether you're watching because it's Sunday and you finally don't have to worry what the hell is actually on TV, any way you want to look at it, we gravitate towards it. Why not this year? I've got another theory. And the theory comes down to what the NFL has spoiled us with, unpredictability. There are certain sports that are very predictable. We know most years who the top four or five teams in the NBA are. In college football that we were talking about earlier, we have a pretty good idea who's going to be in the playoffs coming into the season. There's always one little possible surprise, but you know likely who's going to be there. You start talking about baseball, there's a handful of teams that can compete, and the rest of them barely even remind everybody that they still play Major League Baseball. Most sports are very predictable to a certain extent. The NFL has made its bread and butter on building a situation that calls for every team to be in the range of 8-8. Eight and eight. It's, this, it's the sport that we look for worst to first every year. How many times have you looked now and you've thought, oh, this is a team that's going to rise because this is the logic. This is the logic. Every year there's one. I'm not sure what the hell that is for analysis. Every year there's one. But that's what we talk about. What do you do when the NFL is handing you a season that, for COVID-19 reasons, is very unpredictable, but where the outcome feels incredibly easy to predict. That's the dilemma of 2020. 
the Kansas City Chiefs are going to return 20 out of 22 starters. The Kansas City Chiefs have locked their players in, their star players in, not just for this year, but for the next few years. The Kansas City Chiefs have a coach whose only knock was he couldn't win the big one until, wait for it, he won the big one. The Kansas City Chiefs have an offensive coordinator that was so highly regarded it was presumed, it was just presumed he was going to become a head coach. And instead he's back. And most importantly, the Kansas City Chiefs have, hands down, far and away, by an absolute mile, the best player in the NFL. So, what do you got? You're coming off a season where Baltimore finished with the number one seed in the AFC and nobody cares. We all know who's going to win the Super Bowl. Barring injury and barring some sort of miraculous outcome nobody would expect, yes, those things do happen. Yes, you can be an undefeated Patriots team in the Super Bowl and still lose. I get it. But when you're talking about excitement coming into a season, does it feel as exciting for so many teams that realize that what they're playing for is ultimately not a Super Bowl. It's been one of the questions I've asked on College Football Live on ESPN when I've hosted with different coaches. I've asked some of the coaches, what are you playing for this year? Because you may not be playing for a championship. So what's the message to your team? Nobody's really had a good answer to it because we're so used to saying this is the year we're going to win it all. What if I told you that this is the year where your team's going to win their division and that was the best you could play for? What if I told you on the NFC side, this was the year that your team could make the Super Bowl? Is that enough? We all love the NFL so much because we love feeling like you know when you walk into the room for day one with your buddies, if you're a Jets fan, if you're a Raiders fan, if you're a Chiefs fan, if you're a Cowboys fan, you can talk the same level of smack to everybody across the board because in week one, nobody knows. Now, week one, week two, week three, nobody knows how COVID-19 is going to affect outcomes. Throughout the course of this, this season, nobody knows how new coaching combos are going to work. Nobody knows how new players in new, uh, new cities are going to work. All of those things are true. But when it comes down to the reality of what we know, the one thing that keeps us just coming back to the NFL every time with a different level of excitement is the knowledge that this could be the year your favorite team wins it all. What if I told you, especially in the AFC, this is the year where the best your team can hope for is a loss in the AFC championship game. doesn't have the same ring to it. And as a result, I feel like the fact that everybody knows the, the dirty secret in the room. The Chiefs are by far the best team in the NFL right now. Because we all know it, because we can all see it, and because we all know what it means, it's actually changed the level of excitement around all of us for the NFL season. That being said, let's be clear. If the Raiders make the playoffs, I'm still doing cartwheels up and down the halls of ESPN. And I'm sure Sarah will do the same if Mitchell Trubisky can lead her Bears to any level of the promised land. It's Spain and Fitz. We will be back tomorrow with a show for you, obviously, but be sure you are subscribing, rating, reviewing the podcast. Share it. Send, send it to your friends. Send it to your family. Send it to your enemies. Send it to everybody. Tell them to do the same. We are trying to build something on this podcast that we think you're really going to love by giving you exclusive stuff here. And in order to do it, I'll be transparent. We need your help. Any promotion you can give us is a big deal for this show. It's a big deal for this podcast, and it's a big deal for us moving forward. I say it every day. I want you to hear it. We genuinely love and appreciate the fact that you guys listen. We genuinely love and appreciate the fact that we get to do this for a living, and I appreciate you guys hanging out with me. Check us out tomorrow. Spain and Fitz. I'm Jason Fitz.